Welcome to Super Sentai Buddies. This is episode one of The Spider-Man Who Loved Me, the internet's best and only podcast about the tokusatsu television series Spider-Man. Every week, where the regular hosts of this show are otherwise completely indisposed, we watch an episode of the show, and we share our thoughts with you, the listeners. My name is producer Mark, and with me, as always, is my co-host and buddy, Brian. Brian, how you doing this week? Fine, man. That's, <laughs> that's, that's all I got. I'm doing, I'm doing well. I think that is the required answer. Yep. Uh, something comma man. Yep. Is 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 the correct way. <laughs> way As this show it. is spider comma man, but no, yeah, spider. Good point. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. So, yep. That's that's what we got. Okay, so this week we are going to be watching episode one of Spider Man, called "The Time of Revenge Has Come." Beat down Iron Cross group. That is quite a mouthful. It sure is. But first, Brian, first. First, it is time for our two-time award-winning opening segment. Brian, shining in the heavens, there are five stars. What is star number one? Well, I'll tell you. Star number one, it is May 29th, which actually means it is my birthday. Yeah, that's right. Happy birthday, man. Thank you. Many happy returns on the day. Yes. Yes. Uh, it is also Memorial Day, so let us acknowledge that. Right. Um, Many somber returns on the day? Yes. Uh, that actually gets into, I kind of wish for days like that, there was something to append to holidays that wasn't happy this. Yeah, because happy Memorial Day just... Eh. It, it doesn't doesn't sit right. Um, <laughs> no, it really doesn't. No. How actually was your birthday, man? Oh, it was uh, it was not bad. I spent some time at home uh, in the the mountains, therefore of Western Pennsylvania. Which, as my sister, who has moved to Colorado, will point out, those aren't real mountains. Um, <laughs> they are comforting mountains, though. Yes, they are. This nice rolling hills. It was very nice and very quiet, and uh, spent some time with the family. Um, it was it was good, and I got cake. Past past a certain point, your birthday is really no longer about celebrating that you've aged yeah. or even presence. It's just it's it, and frankly, it's not even about people acknowledging your birthday. It is about people giving you cake, and that's Man. that's all I really want. And uh, I have that, so I'm I'm so doing pretty well. So it was a successful birthday. Yes. I will ruin the very point you were making. By saying that on my birthday, I usually have raspberry pie. Yeah, I, I whatever dessert you would like to celebrate your birthday with, that is that is what you should celebrate it with. For me, it is cake. Uh, for Mark, it is derailing star number one. So, so thanks. <laughs> thanks for that. Right. Fair enough. You know, why don't you tell us what the, what star number two might be and kind of why we're here? Right, so star number two is the proud nation of Sweden. This week, home to one extra resident in the form of Matt J. Hmm. I, so, I believe he mentioned this. Yeah, so he talked about this on last week's show and, in fact, teased the idea that there might not be a podcast this week. Do you tease a negative? Is that the right? Is that the right word? Hey well, guys, I, have I got I mean, a hot tip for you? Yeah, I, I mean teasing is negative in general. So fair point. Fair so yes, you can tease point. a negative. So Matt is in Sweden visiting his parents. At least I believe one of whom has been a guest on 
the Super Sentai brothers in the past. I don't know why I say I believe. I edit this show. I, yeah. I know it to be a fact. As do I. So, yeah, as regular listeners will know, the parents of Matt and Dave J are currently residing in Sweden for work reasons. Yeah, I, I don't remember. Yeah, his, his their dad is a scientist of some renown and is on a contract over there doing impressive sciencey things. Am I being generic enough? I think I am. Sure. <laughs> anyway, Matt is over there visiting them for a couple of weeks. Because of the logistics of cross-Atlantic recording, Matt and Dave were not able to put together an episode. We talked about not having an episode this week. Somehow that ended up with you and I recording this tripe. Yeah. <laughs> we got we to gotta give the people what they want. What but I they will want. say, because I know they are listeners. Give me podcasts. Podcasts of Spider-Man. <laughs> So I know they are listeners, so I would say hi to mom and dad, Jay. So, uh, here's to you, Sweden. Thanks for stealing our host so that Brian and I get stuck doing this. Yep. <laughs> uh, Brian, what is star number three? This format is messing with me because you and I also record a podcast. Right. We don't usually do the five stars, and I'm stumbling no. over my words trying to string this together. I no, need no. my own crutch that we have designed for our right. show, not yeah, this see, crutch. See, see, our crutch was designed after listening to the five stars and deciding it was way hard to always come up with five things. Yeah. And so we sort of turned it into a format where we just throw a bunch of topics up keep them hidden from the audience and keep talking until we hit our time mark, uh, which is working out real well for us. So I have no idea how this is going to go. But our third star is ramping up the sports entertainment value of this podcast and talking a little bit uh, about the NHL playoffs. Just to be clear, did you say the word sports? I did say the word sports. I think I am contractually obligated on this program to point out basketball champs, champs all year. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Hey, hey, this this is a good thing to point out because uh, hockey champs, champs all year. Yeah. Because we are talking about the the returning to the Stanley Cup finals, Pittsburgh Penguins against the Nashville Predators, uh, <laughs> which frankly is a matchup that... I'm not sure anyone expected to see. No one expected Nashville to go this far, basically being if you rank the playoff teams 1-16, to 16, they would have been 16. Right. And the Penguins have been super banged up for the entire playoff run, so no one really expected them to get this far either. But here we are, defending champions. Uh, it's pretty great. I enjoy hockey, and that game will kick off tonight. And oh, so yeah. by the time this episode drops, people will know if we're happy or sad in the morning. So... <laughs> So there's that. Yeah. Hearing that the Pittsburgh Penguins are in the Stanley Cup finals, any point during the last decade is not what you would consider a shock, but they were no. not they were not favorites to survive the playoff field this year. So it's fun that they're back. Yep. And it is for worth us. it is yeah, for us. It is worth noting that both Brian and I hail from kind of the greater Pittsburgh area. Right. So much like the brothers Jay have Cleveland as their hometown. Uh, Brian and I have always claimed Pittsburgh as as sort of our hometown, so to speak, or at least the satellite town to which we are closest. Yes. Um, I know those two cities are traditionally sports ball rivals. 
but not in either of the sports that we are speaking of, so I think we're on safe ground here. Right. Yes. Cleveland does not have a hockey team. Pittsburgh does not have a basketball team. Right. So this podcast can happily endorse both. And right. it is worth noting that basketball champs champs all year, that all year is uh it is up pretty much now. Well, uh champs all year hockey up pretty much now because basketball and hockey play roughly the same time for their playoffs. Yeah, so both so. the Pittsburgh Penguins who were the Stanley Cup champs last year and the Cleveland Cavaliers who were the basketball trophy champs <laughs> I don't know basketball. I grew up in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I don't know. They were the NBA champions, champs all year, last year. They yep. are. They have both climbed back up to the top of the mountain and are beginning their title defense. Yep. I guarantee listeners to this podcast will hear much more about the Cavaliers going forward than they will oh, the yes. Penguins. Absolutely. But for you and I, this is... Uh, this is a fun sports time. Man, Stanley Cup playoffs are, they are, they're nail-biter games. It is, yeah. there is nothing better than hockey playoffs. Right. Uh, and there is nothing worse than hockey playoff officiating. Yeah, boy. We could have a whole <laughs> podcast on that alone. Right. But we've already <laughs> discussed about how this format wrecks, uh, wrecks with our time on episodes. So, yeah. uh, continuing on, what... What is star number four? I thought for star number four, in the spirit of a Marvel comics-esque show, we're reviewing uh, Spider-Man, mm -hmm. which I will badly mangle for probably the rest of this show. The right. English enunciation, of course, is Spider-Man. I will it's try to not sound like a jingoistic white honky while pronouncing that <laughs> i make no promises i on the other hand will probably just say spider-man yeah that's probably the better way to go maybe we'll just stick with that anyway so in the spirit of that i thought we'd do a star on secret origins oh, we're gonna be watching we'd... a secret origins episode this week right i thought we were going to do a what if star but all right <laughs> I think that is what this episode is, is a what-if episode. <laughs> True. What but if Brian since, and Mark hosted this show? Yes. What if Spider-Man had been born in Japan slash on a different planet? Planet Spider. <laughs> but since the regular hosts of this show, Matt and Dave J, are old friends of ours, I thought it would be fun to take a minute to sort of talk about how we came to know them or some early stories of them, something that we could share with the listeners to give them some insight into a younger Matt and Dave J. Sure. I mean, we've known them for 16, close to 17 years now. Something like that. It's, yeah, it's, it's been a long time. It's been a long time now that I think of it. So I was, I was, after I wrote this down, I was trying to think of my first memory of them. Which is, of course, to say my first memory of Dave. Dave's a year older than Matt. We all went to the same college, you and me and Matt and Dave. Yep. You and Dave and I were all on the same freshman hall. Yep. You and I, in fact, were in the same freshman room. Yes. <laughs> and, and I was trying to think, obviously, I know how I met you. You were my roommate. I was trying right, yes. to remember how I came to meet Dave. 
I mean, I, I would have met Dave because you had already met Dave. That's probably how that happened. Most because, likely. Because I remember one of the first things uh, that happened was I was immediately introduced to role-playing games. Like, mm. immediately. Yeah. Um, I was I was already rolling up characters before I could remember your names. <laughs> and we say role-playing, of course, we mean tabletop. Brian had been playing video game RPGs. Yeah. For nearly as long as they existed, I imagine. Yes, which uh, leads to how those skills badly translate back the other way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe uh, less so now. I don't know. Yeah, well, apparently on a tabletop, you just don't walk into the bar and ask for some information. <laughs> yeah. So so I was trying to, to retrofit this together, and I was thinking you and I met, I mean, technically we started emailing over the summer, Yep. Our hall, so the school we went to was fairly small as far as colleges go. Yep. I think our class had around five to 600 people in it, if I'm not mistaken. Sure, that sounds right as a random number. <laughs> and the college, we later per learned- Per class, yeah. Yeah, yeah, per grade, yes. Right, so that times that, four for yeah, the- Yeah, 2,500 total. Yeah, 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 sure. So we later learned that the school sorts out its incoming freshmen by way of a like an interests survey they send out. Yep. And so, for instance, on one of the halls on our floor, it was just a bunch of dudes who played basketball. It was the yep. basketball hall. Everybody playing basketball. Right. And so there was like the science hall and what have you. After a few weeks on our hall, we started to put together that we were just the weirdo hall. Right. We were the, oh, here are the guys who like to mess around with video games and card games and Star Wars and comic books. And basically, everyone that we think is probably not going to make it very long. (laughs) We are the suckers whose mothers did not say, you can't write down comic books on your college interest survey. Right. Our parents loved us, so they let us write comic books on our college interest (laughs) survey. Right. So, Dave was on our hall. Yep. I'm sure I met him when he moved in. I was there earlier than most of you guys because I was also a band nerd just to double down on the the nerd stuff. Yep. But the first actual memory I have of Dave, the first mm-hmm. thing I could call back to mind was a forced mixer. Do you remember? I don't know if all colleges yeah. do this or if this yeah, is uh, unique we, to- we did a bunch of forced mixers. Uh, well, okay, there was only one that was mandatory. <laughs> no, 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 there was only one that we went to. There were many that were mandatory. <laughs> oh, okay, well, fair enough. <laughs> that first one I did not realize, like, I was still trying hard to do the right college guy thing. Right, yep. And what they did was paired up, seemingly at random, a guy's hall and a girl's hall to have breakfast together. Yep. Because yep. we went to a school where they had different buildings for men and women, which is in and of itself a bit like cute and archaic at this point. Right. Yes. Yes. And that is my first memory of Dave, because for some reason or other, Dave and I ended up walking across campus together. Essentially, we all lined up like the girls from the Madeline books to walk across <laughs> campus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And 
for whatever reason, Dave was walking beside me. And in that conversation, somehow, I say somehow as if it is a surprise, we ended up talking about role-playing games. And that was, I think, our realization of, hey, it's another guy like me. Right. Uh, And then we subsequently stopped going to mandatory events. And instead played role-playing games. Yep. Which certainly worked out real well for all of us and our, you know, love lives while we were in college. Would you like to go do this thing where you hang out with all of the girls? Yeah, yeah. Well, I I think I'm going to be a wizard. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to say, like, I may have made some mistakes, um, but, you know... (laughs) Mistakes were made, but every everything more or less has worked out yeah, all right. Yeah, it, it came together. Anyway. So uh, that was how I met Dave and briefly my first memory of Matt, which is much more clear mm-hmm. because Matt was a year younger. Right. Matt came up for a family day. Right. And I ran a Hackmaster one shot. Right. Hackmaster. It's just like it's a satiric take on D&D that was sort of born out of a comic strip and got right. popular enough that they made a real version of it. Yeah, a satiric take on first ed D&D? Yeah, first slash second ed. Yeah. It's it's like, it's real deep nerd business. You don't, you don't yeah. have to pay attention to this if you don't care about these no, sorts of you things. you shouldn't. But I ran a one shot and Matt showed up and played a character named Thraknor the Rhino Knight. Ah, oh, Thraknor the Rhino Knight. Yeah. So that was how I met Matt. All of us at the time, Brian excluded, having the real traditional 90s nerd look, like uh, long, shaggy hair, stupid trench coats. I mean, I say stupid trench coats. I still like a good long coat. Yeah, We all had that, like, that very distinct 1990s nerd vibe going. It was a good time. Also, just <laughs> yeah. just as an aside, Thraknor the Rhino Knight still, um, because that character came up later, years later, still one of my all-time favorite creations to ever watch. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because the single, the single best example of what made Thraknor the Rhino Knight great was there was a trap that briefly put us into hell, and Thraknor solved it by just saying the words... I repent. Yeah, that was supposed to be a whole session, like a three to five hour thing. Uh, it, it was lasted such... about five, but it was such a funny idea. I had to let yeah. it go. Yeah, it was great. Anyway, um, that is a tiny peek behind the Secret Origins curtains. So many <laughs> mostly RPG related stories we could tell. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But we will save those for future podcasts. Brian, we are running out of time here. What right. is the fifth star for this week. Uh, The fifth and final star, which we'll try to do real quick because we're already burning time. uh, The superhero shows, uh, they're they're all done now, Uh, which means I get my life back because I watch them like during the weeks that they happen. Um, And there's so many shows now. There are, uh, I, you know, the, the gamut I basically watch is uh, Supergirl, Flash, Arrow, Legends of Tomorrow. Um, And yeah, those are all and Shield, yes, I, yes, Shield, which I think is inexplicably getting a fifth season, not inexpl- not inexplicably based off the fourth season though, because the fourth season was gold. Yeah, so so you and I both watch these shows uh, fairly religiously. Yes, 
And uh, it and, is a time commitment at this point, and it is oh, yeah. sort of nice that they're all done so that yeah. we have some time back. Right. Yep. Uh, Arrow season five, probably the best since Arrow season two. Yeah, Definitely. maybe the best ever. Maybe the best ever. Definitely leagues ahead of three and four. Leagues uh, of assassins ahead. Uh, yeah. Yes. Leagues of assassins ahead. <laughs> uh, Legends of Tomorrow season two, inexplicably very fun because oh, so it's good. completely ridiculous. Supergirl season two, much more even than season one, uh, except for James Olsen, who uh, <sighs> I could do a whole podcast on how. How Jimmy needs to go back to Metropolis because that character just isn't working. Um, Superman's pal, not Supergirl's pal. Well, just Jimmy. Uh, you're, you, you shouldn't fight. Um, and then... <laughs> Leave uh, the fighting to the strong women, Jimmy. Get back yeah. in the writing room? I don't know. Whatever you go to in a paper. Yeah. Not enough people go to the writing room, which actually brings up a problem that Supergirl, I think any Superman adaptation would have right now, which is reporter is a real bad cover profession now in, <laughs> in 2017. <laughs> like, there are some problems there. Uh, and the other thing is Flash season three is over, thankfully. Uh, yeah, that's about the best you can say for Flash season three. Uh, Fla- Flash season three was very uneven. That also makes me fear for uh, Supergirl season three because the single show protagonists tend to, in their third season, need to get their darkest and moodiest. So uh, yeah. watch out, watch out, Kara uh, Cara Zor-El. <laughs> uh, dark and moody is coming for you. Yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah, that's uh that's a fifth star and we have we have some break time where I get five hours out of my week back. Woo! Speaking of breaks, we are going to take a break now and watch episode one of Spider Man. The time of revenge has come. Beat town Iron Cross group. We're definitely going to take a break and watch that thing. Uh, yep. and not just keep rolling our recording and pretend. Nope. At all. Nope. And we'll not- be right back in about 24 minutes and 16 seconds, because that's how long the episode is. Are you going to just leave that as silence that the viewer hears until we come back? (laughs) That seems like a bad call. Sorry, guys. You have to wait patiently in real time. We don't know what we're doing. This isn't our show. How do you work this internet thing? Ba-da-bop. Change the apart-a! And we're back. All right. So, Brian, what did we just watch? Um, we watched Spider-Man. With ropes and robots. And yes. Spider-Man has a robot? Also, yeah, Spider-Man definitely had a robot. Yeah. Uh, he has a car that is not a spider van. <laughs> um, so I don't know how I feel about that. But uh, yeah, and he has friends and possibly a family. And yeah, just... Uh, I need to watch more episodes of this show to figure out how all of these people fit together. I I I feel uh yeah I mean let's let's try to work it out as best we can. <laughs> yeah. Um real quick let's take a step back just to remind listeners of what's going on. So as you know normally this podcast is episodic. We've been watching through seasons of Super Sentai for 3 years now. We're currently in the middle of Kaku Ranger. Yep. Normally, Matt and Dave are recording it. Yes. For a number of factors, uh, including the fact that Dave suddenly has twins. Right. The last month or two has been a little harder for Matt and Dave to find time. They're still doing it. They're still getting it in real regular. Yep. 
But rather than miss an episode when, you know, suddenly twins make it impossible to record, Matt and I spun off the Super Sentai Buddies. Now, Matt is out of the country, so Brian and I are recording. We're not recording Kaku Ranger. Matt and Dave will continue to guide you through that. We are not recording episode two of Live Man. I, I'm really not real sure twice. why. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we could have called it You Only Live Man twice. It would have been great. I mean, that's what you did call it. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> but we decided we'd pick another episode one to watch. And because Brian, our co-host, is also a regular listener of the show, he's got a, a fairly good feel at this point, I would think it's fair to say, for super sentai programs but we thought it would be fun to jump into something just a little sideways which is the toei production of spider-man which is where they took the 1970s spider-man tv show already not a great american tv show (laughs) and sent it over to japan where japan i think decided to throw away nearly all of the footage and just dress up a guy in the Spider-Man costume. Yeah, so many of our listeners will know this better than I do. But in case you are not aware, a man named Shotaro Ishiomori created just a ton of the early Sentai stuff. He also created Kamen Rider, Cyborg 009... And he was kind of the founding father of the Sentai programs by way of creating Go Ranger and Jack Hugh. Those were the first two Sentai programs, neither of which included, by the way, giant robot monsters. Giant robot monsters seems to be a pretty key, key aspect. Of, yeah. Uh, so of after that. doing two seasons, they took a break. For a collaboration inexplicably with Marvel Comics. Look, the 70s were a strange time. They were. And and out of that collaboration was born Spider-Man, which is essentially the third season of Super Sentai, except for it happens outside of the actual Sentai continuity. So when you see a list of Sentai programs, it is not included. But in a number of ways... Kind of spiritually, it fits right into those early seasons. I mean, in many ways, he is a Red Ranger. Good Uh, point. uh, I'll I'll buy it. Yeah. All right. And this program is what gave us the giant robots that became a real hallmark of the franchise moving forward. You know, I didn't remember giant robots in Spider-Man comics a lot, but uh, yeah, apparently, (laughs) apparently I just wasn't looking hard enough. We will note that it is pretty likely that we will not get through all 41 of these. This may be the only one we ever do. Uh, So the spy who loves me is likely going to stay on the table for a more permanent Sentai franchise later. I I don't know what you're talking about. I I intend that over the course of, well, think about this. They usually miss one episode around Christmas. So in 41 years, we will have this, this wrapped up. Fair enough. (laughs) That's our commitment to you. Right. Hang in there for 41 years and we will get through the Spider-Man who loved me. (laughs) By then they should already be out of Bond titles for the rest of the Sentai program. Yeah, I did. and And you know this because I pitched it to you. 
I did briefly consider calling it Dr. Octopussy just because it really made me laugh. Yeah, and if the villain in this would be Dr. Octopus in some way, I probably would have gone with that. But... Or even had it been remotely recognizable as the standard Marvel Spider-Man universe. If if anything other than the Spider-Man suit was around, yes. <laughs> but once, once we started talking about bracelets and giant robots, that kind of went out the window. So... The show opens, because eventually we have to get around to talking about this monster. And I say monster lovingly, this was a blast. I loved watching this episode. It it was certainly a thing. Yeah. It opens on, man, just one heck of a theme song, right? Lights, yeah, yeah, wow. <laughs> it is not, you know, the famous Spider-Man theme that we all know from from early American Spider-Man history. Which answers questions like, is he strong? Uh, Listen, bud, he's got radioactive blood. Right. It is not that song, but it is very catchy in its own right. Yeah, there there was a brief second. I'm like, are they just doing a riff kind of on the Spider-Man song? Yeah. And in, in their own way, they certainly are. It's got a little bit of a like a 70s era James Bond vibe to it. Yep. Which was also, Go ahead. Also giant robot. Yeah, in the theme song we are introduced to Leopard on, a giant robot leopard. <laughs> As if he is just part of standard Spider-Man lore. Right. Well, you know, spiders, leopards, they uh they got things in common. Well, yeah. I mean, Spider-Man's universe does include a lot of anthropomorphic animal villains right i believe uh covering every single one except strangely enough possibly the leopard (laughs) that's because he was an ally this whole time okay yep so from the theme song we are immediately warned this is not your father's spider-man no unless your father grew up in japan in the 70s i guess in which case it is your father's spider-man My father saw me watching this and asked, what was this? It was definitely not my father's Spider-Man. <laughs> uh, your father, actually, perhaps worth noting, something of a Spider-Man expert, if I'm not mistaken. He has seen a lot of Spider-Man, has a lot of Spider-Man comics. I think Peter Parker 2 is kicking around somewhere. Nice. Lots of Spider-Man. Okay, so the theme song comes right out of the gate and announces itself in a whole lot of ways. And it ends with the aforementioned crazy title, The Time for Revenge Has Come. (laughs) Which is only half of the title, the second half being some variation on Attack the Iron Cross Army, depending on kind of what fan sub you're reading. Or Beat Down the Iron Cross Group. Whatever it is, we have turned this up to 11 in the opening episode. I don't even know what we're revenging. I don't know why revenge has come. I don't know who is seeking revenge. (laughs) Yeah. Boy, are there some questions to be answered. This episode will sort of answer them. You must have watched a different episode than I did. (laughs) So the actual show opens on a space cave, I think. Uh, Dagobah. Fair. Although actually, come to it, maybe not a space cave. There is some wonky timelining happening here. Yes. I think... I initially believed it to be a space cave, 
But what I believe has actually happened is an alien who has been in an Earth cave for some 400 years has chosen now as the time to summon three things. Number one, his brother. Yep. Number two, something called Marveler. Okay. Which is hat tip to Marvel there. Yep. And number three, Leopardon, which we know from the theme song is a giant robot leopard transformer. Yep. Yeah, decides to summon all three of those things, and because none of those things make sense, uh, especially because there's some traveling through space going on, you get no sense of what is happening whatsoever. No, because the next thing we see is just spaceships. Right. First, a couple of spaceships just kind of casually zooming through the cosmos. Right, fly casual. Right. Then the bridge... Of, I guess, the bad guy spaceship? I guess. I presume they're on a spaceship. Again, all of this cutting through things that are flying through space or in caves or on bridges gives me a very messed sense of where anyone actually is. That's a good point, because they are on Earth shortly thereafter, so they may just be watching from some secret Earth base. Right. Don't know. I'm it sure is, the series will tell us. It is a dude with a giant, like, cyborg eye plate. Yep. Um, strangely enough, looks about as convincing as the Hank Henshaw cyborg currently on Supergirl. <laughs> I mean, Hank only looks slightly better, but it's kind of in the same league. Yes. So it is that dude. We'll get to him in a little bit, because boy, is he a guy. Yep. And then... A lady who is just, at the moment, sort of wearing a generic space military outfit. Yep. We will discuss them more. Right. Uh, What is important to note about her is nearly everything important is going to be in her facial and eye reactions to things. Yeah. That is a good point. She does not have a lot of dialogue. No, but she does have a lot of great faces. So also watching these spaceships, because that's what Cyborg and Military Girl are doing, is just kind of observing it. Right. Also observing it is a young science girl and her dad. Right. At the Astro Archaeology Lab. (laughs) This is, I think, where Papa Jay works in Sweden. At the Astro Archaeology Lab? Yeah. Is, For all I know, this is what he's doing. Is is Astro Archaeology a thing? I, I do not I, know, but I love it so much. I It seems like it would be difficult to have samples 95% of the time. <laughs> do you just look at meteors and hope they crash to Earth? Or... I guess so. I mean, you can't, I don't know. You can't do a whole lot of archaeology through the telescope, I would think. Yeah. That does not seem to be... <laughs> anyway, so those two very different groups are watching these spaceships as they're suddenly approaching Earth. Right. So uh, go ahead. One important thing. The astroarchaeology group, they definitely ask, is that a meteor? Which means their funding should probably be cut today. Yeah. It is clearly not a meteor. Yeah. 
It, <laughs> yeah. So the first several salvos of this show have been very sci-fi oriented. Space dude in a cave, evil cyborg dude on some sort of observation deck, and astroarchaeologist dad and daughter. Yep. The next thing we are treated to is some hot BMX biking action. Yep, let's get the motocross on. It's so good. The guy's just getting some motocross. It, it is great. It is everything you want from a motocross scene. Yep. I get the feeling that this is probably our hero, because he doesn't do science, but he does do BMX biking. He is so cool, you guys. And he knows just how cool he is. He is so cool, in fact, that he brings his own photographer with her, with him. Yeah, which I can't tell. Like, is she employed by a news agency? Is she his girlfriend? Is she just a hired publicist? This is I'm Hitomi. Not... And she is... Both of those things. Okay. She is his girlfriend and a freelance photographer. Okay. I You you have done more research than I have. <laughs> it, it began to be a little hard to hold all of these things in my head if I didn't okay. do a little research. Fair enough. So Hitomi, who presumably sort of fulfills the role that Peter Parker himself serves in the Spider-Man universe of taking Providing pictures, pictures of Spider-Man. Pictures of Spider-Man. Yeah, I need to know if there's a J. Jonah Jameson somewhere that she sells them to. I hope there is. Or if there's not, hey, we haven't looked on. We can just say there is. Yeah. <laughs> so so she is there taking pictures of him on BMX. I don't know if she is, that, is there, like, if they're going to sell them. Is, or, yeah, I was going to say, is that a is that a hot scene to sell photos? I don't know. Maybe in the 70s it was. Okay, well, you know, things were different. BMX didn't have that sweet Mountain Dew sponsorship yet. <laughs> <laughs> and back here, reporting was a profession where you could make money. Good point. <laughs> so she was there maybe trying to take some pictures to sell, maybe just taking some sweet action shots of her boyfriend. Whatever. It's probably the former. Right. While while that is happening, the guy on the bike begins to hear in his head the voice of Spaceman from the beginning calling out, My brother! Come, my brother! And it immediately creeps this guy out. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I think, probably the correct reaction. Well, yeah, but usually these things draw out slightly longer, where at first the hero chooses to ignore these these voices. Good point. And, and by the way, yes, in case we didn't mention it, this is Takoya, the epiponymous Spider-Man. Yep. As he's hearing voices, the spaceships have entered Earth's orbit. There's some real sweet shots of generic crowds people being amazed and confused. Yep. In that vein that you really only get from Japanese tokusatsu-style productions. So, Hitomi manages to snap a picture or two of the spaceships. And at that point, we cut away again. So we see the spaceships kind of crashing into a hill somewhere. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think that's the spaceships. 
crashing into a hill, although it could have been uh, Leopardodon. I, I, I'm yeah, really... I, what I've been calling the spaceships, I believe, are Marveller and Leopardon. Yeah. It's, again, it's hard to tell because we can never figure out whether or not the evil characters are also on a spaceship or somewhere else. Right. So. So, yeah, that is Space Dude Woke Up, called for Marveller, Leopardon, and his brother. Marveller and Leopardon leapt to life from wherever they were in outer space and zoomed down to Earth, where they crashed landed. And then people had trouble finding them, which made me chuckle. Yeah. Nobody was looking real hard. All right. So all of that has happened. Space yep. Dude woke up. People watched spaceships coming in. Hot yep. BMX action. Hot, hot, hot. Now we are back on that observation deck with the cyborg dude and the space soldier lady. Right. Where these guys prove to be surprisingly well informed about what is going on. Who boy. They spit out a bunch of hot nonsense that does not make any sense to me until several scenes later when I start putting back together the words they were saying. Right. Um, Although they also do talk about Machine Bem, who I don't believe will appear here, but is like the ultimate force and destructive power that took 400 years to research and develop. Yeah. If something takes 400 years to research and develop... Perhaps this was not a good expenditure of funds. Machine Bem, if I am not mistaken, is your Dimension Monsters, your Goma, etc. Machine Bem are a group of biological weapons that this okay, guy has they created. Okay, are, they are not a single Machine Bem? Right. Okay. So that first enemy we saw was a machine bet okay and speaking of uh the guy who created them the not at all sinister named professor monster yeah so this is where we do learn the two people on the observation deck are professor monster the leader of the iron cross army more backstory on him in a minute and a female commander that i don't think gets named in this episode I didn't write it down. She is the Amazonist. Okay. What is happening here, Brian, which may help you make sense of a few scenes later, (laughs) is she is currently assuming the identity of a woman named Saiko Yoshida, the editor of Weekly Woman magazine. Now, when you say she's assuming the identity, has she replaced her or is she just like that's her double life? Not real clear. I presume it's just a double life she leads. That works. So, but, uh, yeah, she's so the, uh, our J. Jonah Jameson character, unfortunately for our heroes, is also an evil space militarist. Right. So this is Professor Monster and the Amazonists here to give us some backstory. The backstory is, let's see if we can get this right. 400 years ago or so, yep. somebody named Garia yep. Garia, Garia, something fled like that. from them and hid on Earth. Yep. While he was hiding, they used those 400 years to develop the technology of the machine BEM. Okay. 
Those two things are going on. Now they are worried that someone could possibly disrupt or stand up to or in some ways fight Machine Bem. But that is not Garia, the mystery spaceman. No. It's someone else who happens to be on Earth. Yeah, the person they are worried about is none other than Professor Professor Yamashiro, the astroarchaeologist. Right, because apparently he's going to tie this all together. Yeah. So, let's reset, listeners, because I know this is complex. 400 years ago, Spaceman Gurria fled to Earth, hid in a cave for a while. In the intervening 400 years, the... Uh, what's Professor Monster created Machine Bem and an Earth human named Professor Yamashiro was born and became an astroarchaeologist. Right. He's going to tie the whole thing together and wipe out Machine Bem and all yes. that stuff. He is set that up is... to be the pr- potential nemesis, like the leader of Earth, the defender of Earth sort of thing. Now here in real time, the guy who fled 400 years ago has woken up, or has just decided, he's been awake for a while, actually, yep. and has decided to call for his space car and his space robot, as right. well as his brother. Space brother. As well as his space brother. To renew the fight against Professor Monster. Sure. How is that? <laughs> Makes as much sense as anything. Um, and here, and we as we go away from that giant plot dump exposition, we now find that, uh, hey, apparently Motocross Guy and Astro Archaeology Daughter are brother and sister. That's right. Oh, we real quick, we missed one plot dump point. Did we? Professor Monster dismisses the Amazonists to go kill Professor Yamashiro. Ah, yes. That is a yes. key point. And she takes... Some very small monster that looks sort of like Jiminy Cricket with her. Yep. That thing had a name. I forgot to write it down. Eh, it's probably not important. Small green lizard monster. I called him a crocodile, although he's probably not that. Right. Either way, we are now sort of back on Earth where we start to learn the relationships, as you were alluding to, of all of these people. Yep. Professor Yamashiro astroarchaeologist and his three children three children three children one of whom oh yeah is yeah. spider-man well right, not yet of, but is yeah. takoya yep one of whom is shinko right that's the daughter and then right. a young son named takuji right yes he's i don't know six seven something right. in that range uh, he he is playing the same role as Short Round and Temple Are you of still Doom. with us, listener? This is a lot to cover. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so, you know, big happy family. Apparently, motocross guy. Uh, motocross is used in astroarchaeology. They don't really get into how, but... Uh, it sure seems to be. Right. Um, but, uh, you know... Um, we haven't learned that with great power comes great responsibility, so we're going to blow off going with astroarchaeology family because we got a motocross event to prepare for. Yeah. The dad says, come on, family, we need to go find that crash. How does he know that he is pivotal here? 
He doesn't. He's just an awesome astroarchaeologist. This is what right. awesome people do. Right. He could be a bad astroarchaeologist. I'm not really sure That's if we true. have a big scale. So Spider-Man sticks around to do some BMX training. Yeah, because that's way more important. Right. There is a brief scene where Hitomi, the girlfriend slash photographer, is talking to the editor of Weekly Woman. P.S. Remember, she's the bad guy. Yep. About an assignment to get some pictures of Professor Yamashiro. I need pictures pictures of Professor Yamashiro. (laughs) Yes. Which, who knows why. It doesn't seem like he would be a big story in Weekly Women's Magazine or whatever it is. Who knows? <laughs> Meanwhile, Spider-Man is still being plagued by voices in his head calling out to him, and he is starting to also see spiders. Well, shadows of spiders, but yes. Right. So, astroarchaeologist's dad leads two groups of people in a search of the nearby mountains looking for the crashed ships. The Amazonist shows up and turns her tiny pocket monster into a full-size seven-foot-tall monster who just starts sort of terrorizing the search parties. Right. Uh, The terrorizing will not go well for the professor. No. And at this moment... Our hero finally gives in to the voices in his head, which are telling him the time for revenge is here. Yeah. And he gets on his bike and speeds off. Thankfully, speeds off directly in the direction of, you know, all of the commotion. Yep. What does he find when he arrives? Yes, his dead father, who then is briefly perfectly okay who can go on a little bit of a monologue and then go back to being dead. (laughs) His dad pulls together consciousness long enough to say, there is a group secretly invading Earth, and you, son, have to defend it. I was going (laughs) to do it myself, but I have to die now. Right. Yeah, and he doesn't, like, labor breaths or anything. He just kind of sits up like, hey, things are cool. Um, So here's some stuff. I'm going to die. That is what Uh, happens. Yeah. Our hero briefly fights some sort of monster dudes with duck faces. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's every nightmare from the late 2000s and 2010s that you've ever seen. Right. Gets a big old nasty looking cut on his neck and then just falls through the earth into a cave. This is where Mystery Spaceman from the beginning has been living, apparently for 400 years. Yep. Uh, Garia walks over and says, hey, those uh, those bad guys are from the Iron Cross Army. Yep. Here is some spider venom. I'm going to die now. Yep. Yep. Here's, yeah, I'll just heal you with this spider extract. Yeah, that is absolutely what happens. He pumps dying... Takoya with some spider extract and then he himself dies I'm not sure of what well I mean first he has to go into uh only one person in the universe can pick up on my telepathy so like this was a really lucky planet to live on yeah boy um also you're the only person I can befriend 
Uh, so that's that's a little weird. Uh, and then also, so friend, would you like to take up my goal of complete revenge? Uh, and Takoya's just like, yeah, yeah. Well, he was Daria was from Planet Spider. Uh, that's right. I always professor. Forgot that. Yeah, Professor Monster came and pretty much, you know, destroyed Planet Spider more or less. What we will uh, learn later in the series is. Like many comic book villains, Professor Monster essentially needs like the blood slash life energy of other life forms to make him immortal. So he just moves from planet to planet, destroying them. Oh, Galactus style. Yeah. Okay. So he has already destroyed planet Spider. Yep. 400 years ago, it seems. Yep. Uh, and now it is Takoya's job to revenge that on behalf of Garia. Right. Who came to Earth, got bitten by poisonous spiders, didn't die, stabbed you with spider extract. Now you're the Spider-Man. Go and avenge me, and also I turn into a little spider. Yeah, he dies slash turns into a spider. There is a... Go ahead. I was going to say, at first I thought, did he actually turn into a spider? But later on, there's just going to be a spider who hangs around Spider-Man talking to him. Yeah. It's it's like Navi. <laughs> hey, listen. There is a strange kind of chilling out at home scene for just a minute. Yep. Uh the sister is taking dad's death really well. Yeah, she's super chill. She's like, "What's wrong with my brother? He's been mopey since dad died like 3 days ago." Yeah, the young kid also taking dad's death real well. Uh granddad's death real well, unless it's dad. Yeah, whatever. I think it's dad. Yeah. Everyone's taking it real well. Except, Except for Takoya, who's mopey right. in his room, until right. a spider shows up and tells him, hurry up and become the Spider-Man. Dang it. There's revenge to be had. And then, you know, in the corner writes some Spider-Man in web. Yeah. <laughs> this is where we learn that he now has a giant spider bracelet on his wrist. Right. Which, which how, how do you not have a giant bracelet on your wrist and no one has asked you about that for three days? He seems surprised by it. It's not inconspicuous. So the spider bracelet is essentially his, like, communicator slash catch-all command device. Within it dwells the spider protector. It's just the Spider-Man suit. It's just the suit. It's the suit. Yep. And this is the first and only time this show briefly feels like Spider-Man. Yes. Oh, there's a teenager in his room with new spider powers and a red and blue spider suit. Yep. This is familiar to me. And the first thing he does is crawl up on the ceiling because that's what you do when you're Spider-Man. Right. Then we are treated to a beautiful montage of him just Spider-Manning through the city. Yep. Uh, sometimes using the exact same shot three times in a row. <laughs> yeah, not even like spaced out a little bit. No. Because what no. has happened is a nuclear physicist has been kidnapped. And the spaceman turned into tiny spider has told Spider-Man to use his spider senses to track them down. So this is where we find out that Japanese Spider-Man has way better spider sense than yeah. Peter Parker's Spider-Man. It is not Peter- a vague sense of warning. Right. Vague sense of warning or tracking spider trackers. He's like, I can sense 50 kilometers away that something is going on. So he just Spider-Mans through the city for a while. 
It's and great. the forest. And the forest. He Spider-Mans all over the place. He crawls yeah. up things. He swings from things. He does goofy jumping poses. Right. Some kind of karate moves. A lot of... Yep. Sound effects all over the place. And they tracks down the bad guys to their secret lair, where they are trying to force this nuclear physicist into becoming an evil scientist. Yeah, I wasn't real clear why they kidnapped this nuclear physicist, but I guess just, like, for kicks. Yeah, I don't know. They're, they're just, yeah, they need an evil scientist for some reason. And Spider-Man declares himself, or maybe the narrator did. I wasn't real clear. Well, someone asks, who are you? Ah, that's right. The answer, an emissary from hell. Spider-Man. Spider-Man. <laughs> Which, that's that's what this series should have been called. Spider-Man, emissary of hell. Yeah. So Spider-Man pretty quickly frees the professor nuclear physicist. Right. Spider-String. Spider-Net. Spider power of confusing editing. Spider everything except web. <laughs> yeah. 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 So he has some kind of random fighting with more of those evil bird monsters. Right. Doing yeah. much better this time. Much better this time. The Amazonist shows up and brings with her the Monster Bem of the Week. That, that aforementioned seven-foot-tall lizard crocodile thing, which right. now becomes as tall as a building. Right, just because. Yeah. This is this this is when Spider-Man calls in uh, Marveler. Yes, because he knows how to do... I, I guess the suit must just come with instructions. I guess. Uh, the first thing that shows up is a spider car? Yeah, so Marveler, the spaceship mentioned earlier... Like, pops open a hatch, and a flying spider car drops out that Spider-Man hops into and then rides back up into Marveler itself. Right, because the car also flies. Spider-Man is a super flying car. It's awesome. It's 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 like somebody gave Spider-Man the fantastic car. Yeah, it's got, like, heat-sinking missiles and such. Yeah, I don't know why he actually web-slings anywhere. No. So he flies into... He flies into, I believe, Leopardon. Yeah, it's it's confusing where Marveler stops and where Leopardon begins. Yeah, the car itself may be Marveler. Maybe. Don't don't really know. Regardless, it's time for giant robot. No, the flying car is a separate thing, I'm pretty sure. It's the okay. the spider machine GP7. Okay. It is stored inside Marveler. Marveler being, I think, where Leopardon's head is, or something something like that. Sure. So, yes. So, <laughs> Spider-Man flies the flying car into Marveler, which itself turns into Leopardon, the giant leopard robot that Spider-Man famously pilots. Right, and uh, also wields a sword because, you know, leopards are famous swordsmen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then he just chucks that sword into the Monster Bem's chest, and that is that. Yeah, yeah, we just jump straight to glowing sword explosion. Yeah. <laughs> and and we get a to be continued for yep. 40 more episodes. 
Yep, I, I think something in in either the end credits or whatever says, don't lose, Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah. So, thoughts on episode one of Toei oh. Marvel co-production of Spider-Man? I, so, I have to say, um, I think part of this uh, teaches why in first episodes of these shows... We don't typically allow A, the monsters to grow giant, or B, bring in the giant robots, or C, give the rangers all of their stuff, or D, introduce all of the family relationships between everybody. <laughs> uh, there is just so much going on from a a setting the table standpoint yeah. that it is very hard to figure out who is what and where is what and what's going on. Um, and also what Astro Archaeology is and why there wasn't more BMX racing. Yep. Yep. But the long and short of it is Spider-Man and his giant robot have to defeat Professor Monster, who is trying to conquer Earth to sustain his own life energy. Right. See that? That I can follow. Yes. But, but all, uh, all of the various family relations in between maybe could right. have been sprinkled out across a few more episodes. Right. You know, like finding out that his uh, photographer girlfriend's boss is also part of the evil group of invaders like that. Right. I can't I can't handle that revelation in episode one before it has time to make sense where where his photographer girlfriend is. But as far as Sentai or, you know, near Sentai programs go, it was a blast to watch. Oh, yeah. The, it, it's it's funny. Once you once you just accept the sort of uh, cheapest editing possible for the fights, they're actually kind of funny in their own regard. Yeah. Because they are just chopping, like, segments of film and just repeating it three times very quickly. Yep. And then it's like, yeah, that's 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 what we're doing. But if and you ever looked at Spider-Man and thought, you know what would make this even better? Giant toyetic robots. Yep. This is the program for you. Right. And not for nothing, but uh, Spider-Man throwing ropes and nets, that's on the same level as what we had in the States. In yeah. The 90s, oh, yeah. So probably better. Uh, all right, man. I think, I think that is going to do it for another episode of Super Sentai Buddies. Yep. Before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you that you, man, <laughs> I do not even know. You can find us everywhere on the Twitters and the Facebooks and look up Super Sentai Bros. Right. Most of the Google hits are us at this point. Right. Uh, Retrograde Orbit Radio. That's kind of where the whole yeah. er programming is. That is our tiny independent podcast production house. It is also home to Mount Olympus, the podcast that you and I regularly do together. Yep. Which uh, is to the late 90s Hercules and Xena programs what this program is to the Super Sentai franchise. Yes. We we are much better at comprehending Hercules and Xena uh, <laughs> along with our friends Meg and Lucas uh, than we are at the whole uh, Super Sentai thing. Right. One thing I will use this time, this wrap up time to note, because I know Matt doesn't like to get into this aspect much. If you are a regular listener of the show, especially new listeners, but really all listeners, 
And if you have not taken advantage of whatever platform you listen to us on, taking advantage of their rating systems to drop us a rating, it is a good thing. I know it's a bit of a pain, but especially iTunes, those stars and reviews, those nice comments are all part of the algorithm that iTunes uses to make this show more visible. The more people who are talking about us, the more we will push up into the iTunes uh, stratosphere the more likely we are to show up on searches and things. So if you appreciate the program, if you like what Matt and Dave do for you on a regular basis, take a minute to swing by iTunes, leave us those five stars shining in the heavens, say something nice about the show. Maybe not this week's episode, but say something nice about the regular show. You can put an asterisk and say this week's episode accepted. That is fine. (laughs) Once again, we are the Super Sentai Buddies. I'm producer Mark. I'm Brian. And we will see you next week for The The Greatest greatest Show on Earth. Earth. Spider-Man. Spider-Man.